Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Produce Buzzers Podcast. We are so happy you have joined us today, and I think you will be too after the show is over, because you will learn a lot about fresh fruits and vegetables, how to select and store them, how to prepare and cook them, and surprising facts about their history and origin. We hope it inspires you to eat more fresh fruits and vegetables, not only for your health, but also for your delight and pleasure as you explore their amazing world of taste and delicious flavors. Eating more of them will transform your life in so many positive ways. So settle back, relax, and get ready for another delicious adventure with the Produce Buzzers. Greetings, Produce Buzzers podcast fans, and welcome to another delicious episode of the Produce Buzzers podcast. I'm Edwin Stepp, your host and executive editor of theproducebuzz.com. On this week's episode of the Produce Buzzers podcast, we want to look back at 2022 and pay tribute to the wonderful guests we had on the show. They help make our podcast one of the most popular podcasts in the food category and right at the top of podcasts about fruits and veggies. So get ready for some of the best clips of the podcast in 2022 featuring these most wonderful, knowledgeable, and interesting experts in the fresh produce industry. This show is chock full of fascinating nuggets about fruits and veggies. So without further ado, let's hear what they had to say. Hope you enjoy it. We have a very special guest with us today on the podcast. His official title at Melissa's Produce, which is based in Los Angeles, is Director of Public Relations. But we prefer his unofficial title given to him by countless consumer and national trade publications, along with TV and radio personalities that have interviewed him over the years. That title is Produce Expert. We love that title here at Produce Buzz. Please welcome Robert Schuler to the show today. Tell us a little bit more about Melissa's World Variety Produce. Uh, I want to know how many different produce items does Melissa's sell? Well, that's a good question, Edwin. I kind of lost track when our product list exceeded over 1,500 items. We have somewhere between 1,600 and 1,800. It's hard to keep track of them all. We try to carry them on a year-round basis, but as you know, in the produce industry, some items are just seasonal. The dragon fruit has been the number one trending tropical exotic fruit here in the United States. Now, there's actually three different varieties of dragon fruit that are available. The most common variety are pink on the outside and white fleshed on the inside. But there's also another variety that is exactly the same on the outside, pink, but it cuts a bright reddish purple, like a magenta color. After 20 years as a cardiologist, our featured guest today took a big turn in his career when he had what he calls an epiphany. He came to realize at that time he had not been practicing healthcare, but instead sick care. And he took some dramatic steps to change that. Welcome. Dr. Brian Asbill to the Produce Buzzers podcast. Yeah, thanks, Edwin. I appreciate, the, <laughs> appreciate the opportunity to be here and appreciate the kind introduction. Yeah. This question sort of arose for me, you know, what am I doing wrong? 
how come my patient keeps coming back for another stent and then a bypass surgery and then a stent of the bypass? And I did an experiment on a very important person, myself, <laughs> for a month. I said, you know, I'm just going to go all in for a month. I can do it for a month. I'm just going to see what happens. I adopted this whole food, plant-based, no added oil diet. And I lost about six pounds. My cholesterol dropped 45% in 30 days. My LDL, my bad cholesterol, which was 130, dropped to 70 in 30 days. Wow. So the 50th percentile in the U.S. to the fifth percentile in the U.S. We need to pay attention to whole diets, not not individual things in our diet, but the whole diet. Are you eating all the colors? Are you eating you know the visible spectrum? Are you eating the reds and the yellows and the carotenoids there and the greens from the chlorophylls and the blues and the indigos and the violets and purples from the anthocyanins? Eat the color of the rainbow, eat a diverse whole food plant-based diet. 90% or more of your calories should be coming from plant-based sources. Our guest has studied and researched for years how what we eat affects our health. He is arguably the world's foremost expert on inflammation and especially on how what we eat can contribute to increasing or decreasing inflammation in our bodies. We're going to ask him what he's learned from those decades of research on the subject and specifically how eating more fresh fruits and vegetables is key in fighting it. Our guest today is Dr. James A. Bear, a professor at the University of South Carolina in Columbia, South Carolina. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. A. Bear. Such a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, thanks for inviting me. Looking forward to uh, answering your questions. Why are fruits and vegetables so good for fighting inflammation? Well, that is a great question. And it's because they contain these phytochemicals, these chemicals that exist in plants, these polyphenolic compounds that are, you know, flavanols and carotenoids and, and different compounds that are very strongly anti-inflammatory. And in general, I may be anticipating another question here, but in general, those foods which are the most anti-inflammatory tend to be the most colorful. So oh. for example, among fruits, things like blueberries and blackberries would be the more anti-inflammatory among vegetables, it would be dark green vegetables and dark, dark pigmented, you know, orange vegetables and so forth. Those are the ones that are going to be the most anti-inflammatory. In keeping with our penchant for nepotism, we have another relative on our podcast today. This guest is first cousin to Teresa, Rick, and me. But unlike the three of us, he did not abandon our family's long history of farming. He has kept the tr tradition up, but in a way none of us many years ago would have thought the tradition would evolve into. Farming in the region we grew up in went through some very hard times in the 1970s and 80s, and many family farms went out of business. But our cousin did not abandon his deep love for working the land and found a way to adapt and survive. And not only to survive, but thrive and become one of the most successful agro-tourism farms in the nation. Please welcome Mike Stepp, the owner of Stepp's Hillcrest Orchard in Western North Carolina. Thanks, Mike, for joining us. Thank you, us. Edwin. <laughs> we are so blessed that we have all these young people that come that just want to pick an apple. They want to get outside and go to a working farm, and they're not so particular about you know, the particular apple they get. Uh, some of them do want particular apples, but a lot just want the experience of picking an apple. And it's uh, 
it's really rewarding to see these people enjoy that and the children you know get to pick their own and get outside outside of the city it's neat we are so honored to have a woman on our podcast today who is probably doing more than almost anyone on the planet to get people to eat more plants today we have wendy reinhardt capsack she is a registered dietitian nutritionist and the president and the CEO of the Produce for Better Health Foundation. The more people are eating fruits and vegetables, the higher their reported levels of happiness and overall life right. satisfaction. Right. And it was significant. And it was significant for those that ate fruits and vegetables six to seven days per week. If you go on fruitsandveggies.org, we actually have um, you know, some resources there around what we like to call food rooted in a better mood. There's actually a lot of food and nutrition science around actually the gut mind connection. It's a lot of emerging research. Right. And so sometimes, you know, it's, it's great to hear that stat. Oh, these people that eat this, they actually report greater, you know, overall life satisfaction and happiness. But in the end, um, or behind all of that, it's like, Man, there's science there. Frida Kaplan was a pioneer in the fresh produce industry and was responsible for bringing some fruits and veggies to your table that were virtually unknown in the U.S. before she had the vision and the savvy to import them. Her story is a fascinating one. You're going to want to stick around to hear it. But first, let's introduce her granddaughter and hear her story. She, like her grandmother, is blazing new trails in the produce industry as the Director of Sales for Frida's Specialty Produce. Welcome to the show today, Alex Jackson. Yes, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Great, thank you for joining us. So there's five, I think, or six areas in the world that's labeled a blue zone, and it's because their diet that they eat you know, really promotes longevity and, you know, really healthy lifestyle. And one of the items, one of the places is Okinawa, Japan, and also Loma Linda, California, where there's a large Japanese population and Okinawan sweet potatoes are part of that diet. And so he had said purple sweet potatoes are a great part of the Blue Zones diet. And we were like, yes, and you can get those all around the country. My goal as director of sales, I want Frida's available in every supermarket across the country because our brand will help you understand what it is. Why is this good for me? What can I do with it in multiple ways? Like, you know, turmeric, fresh turmeric, we all know it's great for inflammation and has so many natural health properties, but what am I going to do with all this fresh turmeric? And there are ways you can use it multiple times a day. Same with dragon fruit, purple sweet potatoes, shishito peppers. And so we're, we're not just trying to push product just to make sales. We're really trying to get consumers to have healthy new food experiences and want to share that with the people they love and make their life better through food. Today, Produce Buzzers, we are so honored to have my dear friend, Steve Treaty from Driscoll's Strawberries to tell us all about the best berries in the world from Driscoll's. The interesting thing about a, a strawberry, if you know there's two to three hundred seeds on a, an individual strawberry, each one of those has different yeah. DNA makeup. The breeders started disassembling a strawberry <laughs> and planting all those seeds and then testing what they tasted like and you get a wide variety and, yeah. and I mean it's for anyone that's familiar with genetics um, they understand that, but a lot of people don't know right. how arduous a task it is to develop a variety. And so the, the families realized early on that 
that could be the key that differentiates them. They started selecting advanced selection more for flavor, but also for you know uh, lack of disease and and those kind of things or climatization. Yeah. Some things grow better on the side of a mountain or in a valley and those kind of things. And and then um, there was a fascination in the family. Um, around raspberries and it became a hobby and then all of a sudden it became a business yeah. and they do the same thing so we we propagate all of our own varieties we develop all of our own varieties and they're proprietary and they're proprietary and licensed yeah. and uh we do some really cool stuff it's almost like space program we actually map the the genetics um and the dna it's all natural you know it's all natural yeah. it's not there's no talk about gmos or anything yeah there's right no now. gmos at all that's a family's pledge it won't happen chip was asked by the rfd tv network to start field reporting for their daily market report show every weekday morning after a few years of that he had an idea for his own tv series for the network that he titled where the food comes from isn't that a great title Everybody wants to know where the food comes from. Season one of the series launched in January of 2022. Please welcome Chip Carter to the show today. Chip, thanks for joining us. It's great to see you great again. Great to have you here. Good to see you again. The show is really focused on conventional farming, and we're centered around the farm. But we go up and downstream from the farm to show all the other jobs. All these invisible hands that, that everybody who's in the produce industry knows really well, or anybody who's in agriculture at all, you know it's not just the farm. I mean, <laughs> it would just sit yeah. there on the farm and rot without the research side. So we never say farm to fork on this show. We say laboratory to legislature because hmm. that's, that's what it is. So we went up to the University of Florida. And we went and met with one of the world's leading berry specialists. And he sits there and shows us the whole process. He's deconstructing a blueberry, pulling the seeds out of it with forceps. And then he's taking the flowers apart. He's scraping pollen out of the flowers onto his hand. And then he's hand pollinating each little seedling. This is just at the University of Florida Research Center, where all they're doing is testing new varieties of blueberries. This was only blueberries. Wow. In this one greenhouse, there were 23,000 plants. Hmm. He had had to do that same process 23 thousand times and that's just to make a room full of potential varieties that might become a commercial blueberry our guest today is ron inatomi a third generation japanese american who has been working in the produce industry for over 40 years he is the creator and editor of a very interesting and informative facebook page called japanese americans in the produce and floral industry check it out look for it on facebook there's some really interesting posts there the page reveals a lot about the history of Japanese farmers and also a lot about current Japanese Americans working in the business. A friend uh, told me about a job at Galson's Market in Newport Beach. Uh, that's when it started. Had the opportunity to be all trained by all Nisei gentlemen in the produce department, which was a very uh, colorful time for me. And by Nisei, that's second generation Japanese Americans? Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's great. And there were a lot, you told me that there were a lot of Japanese Americans working for Gelson's that began working for Gelson's after the war. Uh, it's true. Yeah. Uh, Bernie Gelson's and Eugene, uh, their first store was 1951. And 
after the war, it was very difficult for the Niseis to get jobs, men and women. And uh, Bernie and Eugene Gelson's was so kind to give them jobs. Right. And so as they expanded, that's they just continued to hire all these Nisei gentlemen. And they were the ones that made Gelson's famous. They really put them on the map. Yeah, because their attention to detail and their attention to quality. Uh, yes, sure that was a big part of it. So yeah. the war, the war comes, and were all Japanese Americans interned, regardless if they were born here or not born here. Even if they had one sixteenth of uh, Japanese in the bloodline, they were um, incarcerated. Uh-huh. So it's around one hundred and twenty thousand. 120,000. Okay. Yeah. May is National Strawberry Month. So today we have a very special guest who has to be one of the world's leading experts on the fruit. Our guest today has been the director of marketing for one of the most successful strawberry growers in the world for over 33 years. And today he is going to tell us everything he knows about them. Well, probably not everything. Because we only have about an hour with him, and I'm sure conveying all of his knowledge would take infinitely longer than that. You know how in life you meet a few people that you always love being around? Jim Grabowski is one of those guys, and uh, we worked together at the California Strawberry Advisory Board as merchandisers, and he always managed to keep us laughing. Welcome to the podcast, Jim. Thanks for joining (laughs) us. Thanks. Thanks, Edwin and Teresa and Rick. I appreciate you having me here. The cold chain is, you know, is the most important aspect, especially in strawberries, right. of, of maintaining that cold chain. And by that we mean, you know, from the time, you know, from the time the berries are picked out of our fields, uh, it's generally no more than an hour to an hour and a half from the time that they're picked in the fields to the time they're back at our cooler, uh, being cooled, you know, in, our, in the wind tunnels, uh, getting them down to, you know, just as 33 degrees. Uh, and being healthy you know, to the time it gets put on the truck. That's that the, the product is kept cold in the you know, that whole time. From the time it leaves the fields, you know, through our transportation system onto the trucks to the time it hits the retailer or wholesaler's warehouse from that time until the time it gets to their retail establishment. And then you know, that should probably be the first time the cold chain is broken once it's put onto the uh, showroom, I want to call it showroom floor or display floor in the store. Right. That's amazing. It's quite a miracle. Uh, distribution process that occurs and something that has really come about in our lifetimes. Four years ago, she joined the team at Gourmet Garden, a very interesting purveyor of herbs and spices, where she serves as an account executive for the Eastern United States. Please welcome Melinda Richardson to the podcast today. Well, thank you, sir. What a great introduction you oh. gave me. <laughs> Appreciate that. Well, we're so happy to have you. Thank you for joining us, taking the time. Happy to be here. Probably the, the one thing I use all the time now at home that I never used prior was, is ginger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ginger is one of the things that's, I love ginger. I love the ginger, you know, flavor and everything, but working with ginger root and, you know, dealing with it, not going to happen, you know? And so, I mean, ginger, I use it. Yeah. And now I use it in, in both savory and sweet dishes and stuff. And ginger is a 
phenomenal anti-inflammatory. It's, you know, great for digestion, all of those things. So what's the most popular product for gourmet garden? Um, ginger and garlic paste are two of the most popular. And then right behind, depending on the time frame, lightly dried basil is up there in the top three as well. Um, followed by lightly dried parsley and then the green herbs, you know, cilantro, parsley, basil, right. they're up there. Today we have Tracy Fry. She is the account enterprise account director for a company called iFood DS. The company offers a comprehensive food supply chain platform for food safety, traceability, and quality management iFood DS enables hundreds of participants across the global food supply chain to optimize the safety, quality, and value of their offerings with real-time supply chain visibility. I started digging into the mission here and really found that, that we, again, have an industry that is, is ripe for digitization and um, you know, the, the efficiencies that come with that, certainly in the food safety space, um, transforming, giving you visibility throughout the life cycle of your food from the time that it is planted all the way to the time that it hits your plate. Um, I was surprised, and I think a lot of people would be surprised that still much of the work that we're doing um, outside of the obvious things like planting and harvesting are done manually, whether that's tracking, you know, where something started, what happened to it while it was growing, and then what happened to it while it was getting to the grocery store. It's really fascinating stuff. June is National Mango Month. Did you know that, Produce Buzzers? No. Uh, yeah, it's National Mango <laughs> Month. So in this week's episode, we're going to celebrate this delicious and healthy fruit, one of the most popular fruits in the world, if not the most popular. And today we have a very special guest joining us on the podcast to tell us all about mangoes. He's one of the world's foremost experts. Manuel Michel is the executive director of the National Mango Board. Thank you so much, Manuel, for joining us today and welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Edwin. I really appreciate the invitation and quite the introduction. And again, thank you for inviting me to oh, we're so be happy part to of Produce Buzz. We have six to seven main varieties that we see in supermarkets. Um, the most common one is Tommy Atkins. It's a variety that was developed here in Florida. Oh, um, most of the, the varieties we see in commercial uh, production were developed here in Florida. Um, really? I mentioned Tommy Atkins, yes. And yeah. then um, the, the first one, the original one that really developed the round mango industry was Hayden. And so okay. that was developed back like in the 1910s, 1920s. And from Hayden, uh, more varieties came, such as Tommy Atkins, Kent, Keat, and yeah. hundreds of other ones. And they're still developing a lot of varieties here in Florida. It's still one of the areas that develops the most varieties around the world. India would be the largest producer yeah. of mangoes in the world. Mexico is right. the largest exporter. But oh, India, really? by far, is the, the largest producer. So they, India produces a lot, but they consume them uh, domestically Locally, and don't yeah. export many. And that's where those thousands of varieties mostly exist, I would imagine. <laughs> right. Yes. July is National Watermelon Month. And this weekend, we celebrate American independence. And watermelons are always on the table at the 4th of July parties. So we're going to celebrate them in this week's episode. Very interesting facts about watermelon from our very special guest joining us on the show today. 
Our guest is a seasoned veteran of the produce industry and has helped promote, market, and merchandise watermelons for over 25 years. This week's guest is Sheila Carden. Sheila, thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Our main focus now is they call it um, UTWW. So if you see that, (laughs) yes, it stands for use the whole watermelon. Oh, wow. As far as using the whole watermelon, there's the flesh, the juice, the rind. People have been making um, smoothies, watermelon, strawberry, milkshakes, um, frozen pops. They know how to use the flesh and they know how to use the juice, but they don't necessarily know how to use the rind. Mm. And so there's so many ways to use the whole melon from grilling to make a salsa, to make a side dish, a salad, but to get them to use the rind, which is really good for you, um, that you can do such things as stir fry, um, watermelon rind pickles are absolutely delicious. My aunt used to make them. Yeah. And That's a real Southern uh, dish, I I remember. It is, but they're normally very crunchy and just have a taste all their own. But definitely, you know, tastes like a pickle. Right. Um, But for the rind, if you're going to use the rind, you leave a little bit of outside ring of the pink in it. So today we're going to diverge from our fresh tradition and talk about one of the most delicious fruits you can get in a can pears from the Pacific Northwest of the United States. To help us learn all about them, we have a special guest today who promotes and markets canned pears from that region. Our guest today is Susan Ranke, the Promotion Director for the Pacific Northwest Canned Pear Service. Welcome, Susan, to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. But with Bartlett's, which are the very best of variety for canning, just the way they hold up in the canning process. Um, the same grower, the same farmer, the same tree, those those pears then go to the cannery um, when our harvest starts in August. And um, up in, in Oregon and Washington, they are then taken to the cannery where they are ripened right there at the cannery. So they're just the, the exact ripeness that you'd want in a pear. And then they're um, peeled and they're cut, sliced or diced and poached right inside the can. A canned pear is a poached pear. If you're talking, looking for convenience and when you want to use poached pears for something, open a can of pears. <laughs> yeah, very good. They're, they are poached right in the can. Tell yep. us a little bit more about that. Uh, is Are they sealed in the can before yes. poaching? Yes, yes. They're sealed and heated and then and poached yeah. in the can. And I don't know about the temperature. And, oh, and that was going to be the next thing I asked you. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we have as our very special guest, Greg Carter of Deep Woods Mushrooms in Mills River, North Carolina. He has been growing mushrooms now for 20 years or more. Yes. So, Greg, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome. But the shiitake mushrooms is a parasitic mushroom that's eating its host. And what's its host? Well, all the oak trees, red oak, white oak, chestnut oak. It does work on sweet gum. It does work on wild cherry. And, and so basically you're taking the freshest, nicest wood that you can get 
and cutting it mainly in the winter time is the best time to inoculate wood and inoculate can you explain that okay so what you're doing is putting little uh root balls into the log at a given so you're seeding the log with the mushroom mycelium and and it's and it's sawdust with the with the mushroom root system in it and you put it into the log and you wax over it. That keeps the moisture in and the bugs out until the mushroom uh, mycelium starts eating the log. And then it's in there. You're not going to take it out. And it's growing in the log. And when there gets to be too much root system in the log, the mushroom feels it needs to reproduce because it needs a new host. So the, the mushroom, what we know it's the mushroom, is the actually the reproduction part of the mushroom. Ah. Uh what the mycelium in the log is actually the mushroom the fruiting body is the reproduction part okay and one mushroom can contain up to a million spores and they can travel hundreds of miles yeah or more if they get caught in the upper atmosphere and once again i'm mimicking mother nature yeah so the the mushrooms living in the log and i throw the log over to my tank and it hits the ground and that mimics mimics thunder and it shakes all the molecules up Hmm. and then i throw it in a big tank and and the logs will absorb all the moisture what isn't uh wood gets filled up with water and the mycelium feels threatened Hmm. and there's just too much in there and he says i need a new host and it pops out its fruiting body to spread its spores wow naturally and within a week to 10 days i have all my mushrooms i can set that stack down right and it rests for eight weeks yeah and then you start the process over. And then I, yep. But that was interesting what you said. You throw the log on the ground to mimic thunder. thunder. So thunder actually. Why, when do you, and all your mushroomers that go out and forage will say the best time to go out is a couple of days after a thunderstorm. Wow. That's really interesting. And and that's why. Yeah. You know, it, it's not only because of the rain. It's that thunder does, you know, even, even the lightning. Oh, lightning will cause mushrooms to flush. So, so I've seen it where where logs, where the ground around trees that have been struck by lightning will flush furiously. Oh, uh, well, yeah. That's fascinating. Fruit and veggie fans, we have a very special guest on the show today, a woman who has been making a great impact in getting more people to eat fresh fruits and vegetables through her wonderfully creative content on her website, The Produce Moms. Lori Taylor joins us today. She is the founder and CEO of The Produce Moms, a global community and certified B Corporation that is on a mission to put more fruits and vegetables on every table. Welcome, Lori, <laughs> to the podcast. Thank you so Thank much you. for joining us. We're excited to have you on and eager to Thank hear you what you Thank you for having me, Edwin. Thanks us. for the warm introduction and welcome. Uh, when you look at the demo- consumption data, 90%, approximately 90% of Americans are not eating the recommended amounts of fruits and vegetables. That includes all ages. Okay. Right. So um, I think I, in this, I come back to like food is so cultural, right? And I've got, at this point, I've got a middle schooler and a high schooler that my children have grown up with the produce moms. So, um, <laughs> but I can tell you right now, like my kids, every year they host the fantasy football draft here at our house. Uh, and if I'm not serving, you know, like pizza or chicken wings, like I, you know, they, they're out of here. Here's my trick that I always tell people, like, don't deprive yourself or your loved ones from these iconic foods that are part of our lives. You know, like when was the last time a bunch of teenagers were gathering around and they were like, let's order salads from Panera. 
not <laughs> happening. You know, like these kids want to order pizza, let them order pizza, you know, yeah. let yourself enjoy the pizza or the nachos or whatever it is. But if you can commit to the one simple rule that we kind of say, like, this is our secret sauce at the produce moms. Anytime you're prepping food, anytime you're serving food, make fruits and vegetables, the very first thing that you prep and put on the plate. Oh, wow. And, and that can be at the micro level, like you're making dinner for your family, or it can be at the macro level where you're entertaining 12, 15 year old boys for a fantasy football draft, you know? Yeah. Um, and if, and I see it time after time where if it's what is available first, it's what is consumed first, you know, is the fresh fruits and veggies. Yeah. And I also have a rule like that I've implemented. I think it's just kind of like a, a walk the talk type of rule. Every time food is served in my house, fruits or vegetables have to be part of it, period. Like, you know, it, it might be, it might be a can of green beans because I'm like totally overwhelmed at night and I don't have a lot of time or a salad kit, or, um, it could be something more elaborate, you know, like a true fruit buffet or whatever, you know, but I, I always make sure that fruits and vegetables are available. And I always make sure that that's a top priority when I'm menu planning for anything. Our guest today is an Italian man who has been in the produce business his entire life. Celso Paganini, the president and owner of Porto Pavino, which owns the Bella Vita Foods brand of fresh produce. Uh, the company imports fresh produce, mainly ki kiwi fruit, grapes, chestnuts, specialty vegetables, oranges, lemons, and specialty citrus. And don't we love that name, Bella Vita? Even if you don't speak Italian, I'm sure you know the English translation of this. Beautiful life. And we know that eating fresh fruits and vegetables is essential to living the beautiful life. And Italians especially understand this. <laughs> so, Chelsea, welcome to the show today. And thank you for joining you. us. Tell us about Italy in general and why it is such a, uh, such a great place for fresh fruits and vegetables. Yeah. It's all about the climate and Italy, if you look at the topography of Italy, from northern to south, there is a chain, that's the spine of Italy, I call it, there is yeah. a chain called the Apennines, right? right. And, and, and if you look around the world, the countries that are strong with fresh produce, they have a very long coastline and mountains behind it, mm. Chile, right. New Zealand, California, Italy the southern part of Spain, Algeria, Algeria with the mountains, two and a half thousand meters. So that's about 8,000 feet mountains uh, south of the Mediterranean, 20 miles south of the Mediterranean. Right. Those or Turkey as well has pretty mountainous terrain north of the Mediterranean. Uh, those are countries that are naturally predisposed to grow fresh produce. Mm -hmm. Why? Because fresh produce needs, needs air, needs a breeze. We call it the Mediterranean breeze in the Mediterranean, but I'm sure in California, that places where produce grow well, there is this breeze as well, in New Zealand, in Chile as well. What, what does this air? This air takes the humidity out of the of where you grow apples or where you grow fresh produce in general and yeah. circulates the air. So it's, it's a healthier environment to grow fresh produce and, and there, it changes the temperatures from day and night because during, during the day, the, the, if the, 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 the sea is, is, is still cold, the mountains and the land heats up faster because it absorbs more energy. So the air flows from, from, from the sea to the mountains. 
Yeah. And in the night, vice versa, the mountain, mountains cool down, but the water keeps the temperature, so the air flows back. Oh, so that's called uh, the, the thermal, in Italian, escursione termica. I don't know exactly how to translate this in English. The thermal thermal excursion or, or whatever, yeah. the difference between day and night. Right. The, the, the temperature difference between day and night, it's key for the color of fresh produce. Is key, for instance, for the sweet retonium of Tropea we, we saw up in, 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 in Boston. It's key for so many fresh produce that the temperature range between day and night is probably the most important thing in, in, in addition to the breeze that keeps the air and not as humid and takes the humidity air from, from the, the humid air out of places that, that, are, that are keen to, to, to stay humid if there is no, no breeze. Well, that's a great geography lesson and agricultural lesson all tied together. This week, we have a very interesting guest on the show, a man who has a very macro view of the world of fresh fruits and vegetables. That's because he's been involved at many levels in the global distribution and importing of fresh produce from early in his career. And now with a new concept, he is turning his attention to help people in the produce industry on a very micro level. His passion now is to help the heroes of our food supply, the farm workers who toil every day, often in extreme conditions to grow, harvest and pack the fruits and veggies that somehow magically appear on our grocery store shelves. Today's guest is Martin Casanova, founder of THX Dreams, a brand of fresh produce that is more than a brand. It is an, it's a proactive support system that channels profits from the sales of its fresh fruits and veggies back to farm workers to fulfill vital needs that they often can't afford. THX Dreams is a social impact brand dedicated to helping the farm workers who are so key in his company's success and the other companies providing your fresh fruits and vegetables. His dream and passion is to help as many farm workers as he can and to show that doing good is very good business. Welcome to the show, Martin. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Edwin. Thanks, thanks for having me. And thanks for so, so kind introduction. <laughs> You're welcome. We're so thrilled to have you. So I say I wanted to do something, something different. Again, when you want to do something, something different, not always you have like the idea that, that they want. But it was funny that I was walking in, in my first PMA, my first PMA living here, because that was like my 10th PMA at that moment. I was walking and I saw in a booth that there are some guys that they have some shoes with the Argentinian flag. And I say, hey, what, you know, what's that? I ask a, 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 a colleague, hey, why you have, have like 10 guys in that, in that uh, booth? Why they are all wearing shoes with an Argentinian flag? And he told me about the Toms, the Jews Toms. Right. At, at, at that moment, yeah. was, I, I didn't know about, about that story. And I say, okay, I, I think that... That day I bought uh, the book of uh, Start Something That Matters that the, the founder of Tom's wrote. Right. And I read that book, I think, in two days. <laughs> and I say, oh, you know, I, I start learning and I start reading about social impact brands. And I say, hey, there is nothing about this in the in the, in the, the produce industry, you know. Just, yeah, let, let, let me interrupt just a minute, Martin, to make sure our listeners know about Tom's. I, I'm sure many of them do. It's a shoe company. 
Uh, I don't, you probably know more about how it was founded, but I, the main thing I know about them is for every pair of shoes you buy, they give away a pair of shoes to some family or people. And we pay the dream from our profits. And what we try to do is to build like a connection between consumers and, and the farm workers, you know? Today, we have an extraordinary guest on the show with a fascinating mission in the world of fresh fruits and veggies. This man has to be one of the foremost experts, if not the foremost expert, on the amazing diversity of edible plants that Mother Nature has to offer. He has been traveling the world for many years, looking for and cataloging thousands of fruits and vegetables and their seemingly endless varieties. Today's guest is Bob Harrington the president of Specialty Produce, a wholesaler of fresh fruits and vegetables, primarily to restaurants in San Diego, California. Welcome to the show, Bob. We're so delighted to have you. I'm super honored to be here and to meet you guys. And, and it's great to meet you at the, at the PMA. They don't call it PMA anymore, I don't think. Yeah, so. <laughs> the IFPA, all these acronyms are hard to keep uh, up with. Yeah, I'll, I'll take me a couple of years to memorize that. Yeah, that was a real pleasure for me because I've known about you and your company. I've even visited there, but you were off somewhere around somewhere on the other side of the globe searching for some strange fruit. I'm looking for things that that aren't going to ever be grown in the United States. They could be, but they won't be because they're right. they don't even sell that many in the countries where they are. They're just interesting. So you got to do things that are interesting as well as things that are uh, fundamentally important to the, the food business itself you know yeah we've talked about your website specialtyproduce.com you also have an app that people can download and it's very uh very helpful the app project probably i started that 12 years ago but the way the app is designed it's to give people who use the app the ability to share their sources for fruits and vegetables right and if they're a farmer they can share their own they could put their own um products photo of it into the share market with their information. So the whole idea of the share market is just to create a place where people can deposit information about fruits and vegetables that they wander into at market. Right. Or if somebody wants to um, just talk about themselves, they can put it in there. And we've, we've built it into our website. And the whole idea is to keep the story of fruits and vegetables uh, top of mind for everybody. Yeah. Um, we get um, about... 15 to 17,000 people a day go to our website. Wow. So, so it gets a lot of views. And uh, so if someone wants to, um, you know, do a, a share market on like their Apple or whatever, a lot of people are going to see it. Right. When I, when I travel, I take a kit with me. So I have a full office with me. So it's just as if I'm at specialty. So the first thing I do in my hotel is I set up my office, right? And then I go to work. And so I'm already there. I'm going around hunting. I'm looking for what I'm going to do and what I'm going to find because I've learned from experience that you just have to be ready because you never know what, what's going to happen. You're going to get always getting blown away. And we keep getting blown away by each and every guest that appears on our show. Once again, thanks to all of them. And we have many more lined up for 2023. So make sure you subscribe and keep checking in for new episodes as the new year begins. Produce Buzzers podcast fans, wow, how did that past year get by us so fast? 2022 is a wrap. Thank you, listeners, for tuning into our show over the past year. We are so grateful for you. You, too, made our show one of the most popular podcasts about fruits and veggies. We wish you a very happy new year and hope you will keep listening in 2023.
Well, thank you listeners for tuning in to the Produce Buzzers podcast. Brought to you by Produce Buzz, a gathering place for lovers of fresh fruits and veggies. We hope you were entertained a bit and educated a lot about fresh produce. Be sure to join us next time. And please tell your friends to do so as well. Like, share, and comment on our Produce Buzz Facebook page. And check out our website at www.producebuzz.com. There you will find articles about fresh fruits and veggies, how to select, store, and prepare them, as well as lots of interesting facts about all the wonderful bounty the earth provides for us. Until next time, be fruitful, and don't forget to veg out. Oh,